Well, dear saints, uh, <clears throat> we'll continue on. Amen. And uh, what marvel, what exquisiteness, what advantage, what facilitation we have through the ministry speaking to us in this way. <clears throat> in Colossians, the intent now is that we would enter into the intended experience of Christ, the prepared, intended relationship with him that he desires. And so in Colossians, <clears throat> as a particular burden, we have the revelation of Christ in his all-inclusiveness and in his extensiveness. Amen. And so let's... Uh, <clears throat> just review the sequence. First of all, in his extensiveness, he to us is the expansive, extensive, good land as the fulfillment of the experience of Israel in the Old Testament typology. And as such, we live on, we draw from, and we we have our very existence related to our good land, Christ, as the consummated spirit <clears throat> who has entered into us as this great land and now is the one on which we can live. This living with him is not stale, <clears throat> is not commonplace. It's not routine or boring. It's enlivening. Amen. It's strengthening. Amen. It's inspiring. Amen. It's renewing. Amen. It's capacitating. Amen. Because it's as we realize <clears throat> that we are living on Christ as our good land, <clears throat> the extensive Christ, that we can enter into the relationship with him that he desires. That relationship is what we're practically entering into here. So we saw <clears throat> that in each one of the sections of the Old Testament, in the descriptions of the good land, it refers to the fact that <clears throat> the health of the land referred to, God, to God's people's faithfulness to him. The importance of the land was because it was through, through the land as an agency that he was able to be everything to them and be their reality, though only in initial typology, foreshadowing us. Amen. So one selected verse regarding this. <clears throat> it's quite an amazing verse. In Leviticus... Chapter 25, I believe it's verse 13. In the statutes related to the Jubilee, it makes an extraordinary statement. After talking about when the good land was, <clears throat> when, when a sold portion, a lot of someone's inheritance was sold and it was to be returned to them at the time of, of the Jubilee. <clears throat> 
actually every seven years, but especially at the time of, of, of the Jubilee. Uh, it says this. It says, no, you can't sell the land permanently. You can't sell it in, the word says, perpetuity. Because the land is mine. Jehovah says, the land is mine. Because in it and on it, you are sojourners. Together with me. Now, maybe the impact catches you. Maybe it didn't. Jehovah is a soldier. Because the land has not been appreciated and is being given away. So it's got to return, have another opportunity for the owner of the land to no longer be a sojourner, to care for, appreciate, and live on the land. And when he does, when he's no longer a sojourner, Jehovah is no longer a sojourner. So this shows us that our living on the land is a matter of our sentiment, our desire, our longing for the Lord. This is, this is the sensation <clears throat> that governs the realization that we're living on the land and that we are placing ourselves in our realization. I am on the land, which is my Redeemer, my Savior, my, my, my lover, my beloved, my bridegroom, Christ. And now I'm on him. I'm in him. And everything is related to him. So this realization <clears throat> promises and commits to give us a deeper, richer experience of him. Message one. Message two. How do we, <clears throat> how do we then develop that relationship, maintain our status on the good land? And that is that <clears throat> we give him personal preeminence. Preeminence in our love. Preeminence in our being, preeminence in our experiences, until those experiences conjoined become our living, giving him preeminence in our living, our personal universe. Then <clears throat> the one who is preeminent in our personal universe and who defines preeminence, he is the definition of preeminence. And he is the one, as the preeminent one in the universe, who is in the first place, second, third, fourth, as we said. <clears throat> He's the one who is everything in the material creation, everything in the old creation, everything in the new creation. <clears throat> as we give him preeminence in our being, 
acknowledging what he is in the universe and making our being match what he is to be in the universe, then he's everything to us. Amen. In our personal universe, he is everything. He doesn't make an appearance and exit, nor do we make an appearance and exit. He is our universe. We live, move, and have our being in him, and everything is an experience of him. And as such, related to you, you have not only hastened the Lord's return, you have caused him to return, and he's back. He's back. He has returned. So yes, objectively speaking, <clears throat> defining the end of the age of grace, he will have his secret appearing, the rapture of the overcomers, and then he will come outwardly at the end of the great tribulation. <clears throat> this is his parousia, his presence with us in an objective outward way of his physical coming. But when we experience the all extensive Christ and give him preeminence in all of our experiences in this way and join with him in his preeminence in the universe, making our entire universe Christ, he has come and we are a constituent of the one new man in whom he is all and in all. Amen. Will this be tomorrow? Saints, it can be tomorrow. Amen. If not tomorrow, will it be next year? <clears throat> if it must be, it can be next year. This doesn't need to, can't be, can't be deferred can't be deferred. So the key to enjoying him, handling him, and experiencing him as our good land, as the extensive Christ revealed in Colossians, especially in 1.12 and 2.6, this is made practical <clears throat> by our giving him personal, pre <clears throat> personal preeminence in experience after experience, encounter after encounter of ours, as we described in last meeting. Now, tonight, a further refinement, a further help, a further tool for us to make entry into this, yes, mysterious, but oh, how real experience ours. And that is that the way we give him preeminence and the way we stay on him, experiencing him as the good land in relationship fidelity is that we come to know him, account him, and experience him as the reality of all the shadows. So, you see, living on the good land has a practical key. 
<clears throat> we chart our day and we exercise more and more, again and again, in varied kinds of situations to give him personal preeminence, which is, of course, <clears throat> that we contact him, recruit him, involve him, bring him into that situation. And it's our love for him that reminds us, yes, Lord, I need you here. Yes, Lord, I want you here. Yes, Lord, I bring you in here. But lest we forget, lest we forget, the next provision is all around us, all around us, everything is a hint. Everything is reminder. Everything is a, another opportunity. So with these three layers <clears throat> of endeavor, seeking to <clears throat> realize and have consciousness that we're on him as the good land, giving him preeminence as we, as we hold him in our consciousness, now <clears throat> by taking him as the reality of all positive things, this can be cemented, guaranteed, worked out, made definite, and you can do it, and I can do it. And I question whether, whether there's anyone here, anyone in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex churches who can say, I can't do that. It's too difficult. I have a health condition. I'm too, uh, too formal, too rigid, too this, too that. You know, one thing we should never say is, never say, oh, that's just the way I am. If you ever, if you ever hear someone say, that's just, the way that, that's just the way I am, that's a person who sells their birthright. But no, we can do this. We can do this. And we can do this especially because we not only have in our surrounds, the reminders, the various shadows of the divine reality around us to link us to the personal divine romantic reality, but we have one another. We have the saints with whom, in Ephesians 3.18, we're apprehending, Amen. laying hold of, Amen. grasping tightly, Amen. as that verse says, grasping tightly this reality. So um, this outline may look familiar because we did cover it last year, but <clears throat> I would like to make different applications this year. So it's, it's the same outline in print, but I won't say the same things. Okay? So <clears throat> Roman number one says, let no one judge you, therefore judge you in eating and in drinking, or in respect of a feast, or of a new moon, or of <clears throat> the Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. Amen. Let no one defraud you by judging you unworthy of your prize. So yes, we do have background. We have spoken about this. So with that as background, let me ask you a question. 
in verse 17, we have the phrase, <clears throat> the body, preceded by the, the word shadow, or a shadow. So here we have body, shadow, and the next point we'll, we'll review, yes, the body under shining light casts a shadow. So my question for you here is, to what does the body refer? Can't, Christ the church, can't, can't say that's wrong, but that's not right. <laughs> of course, that's the reason I asked the question, because obviously it would seem that the, the body of the shadows is Christ. We just sang that, right? And, him 496. So it's a very justified response. But notice that it says the body is of Christ. Paul says the body is of Christ. So when we see something around us and that shadow around us is cast by a body, it has a reality that is the source of it what is the source of the things that are around you that are those shadows? For me, for example, I'm supporting myself on this table because Christ is my uplifting, my support, my stability, my solid underpinning. So if this table is a shadow, and the body is not Christ, what is the body of this shadow? Well, Johnny, that's not wrong, but it's not exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Okay, in apposition here to body, apposition means in parallel structure, is your prize. If you remember our going through this outline in the past, <clears throat> our prize refers to what? What is your prize? This, this is the same prize as in Philippians 3.13. also refers to your prize or the prize. This prize, <clears throat> this prize is the ultimate enjoyment of Christ that is awaiting us when it is fulfilled by our present exercise of this. As we exercise this, our experience of Christ is going to increase, increase, increase. And that increase is going to merit and seg into an amazing experience in the coming 1,000 years where we will experience Christ unbelievably. And that unbelievable experience of Christ that we can't fathom or describe in the 1,000-year kingdom will be the prize. Hopefully, it will be our prize. Amen. As of now, it's your prize. It's your prize. <clears throat> that enjoyment is the body. That, that, 
<clears throat> that body is you on the good land, Christ enjoying him to the uttermost. So you cast this shadow, you with him in enjoyment, in embrace, in experience that remains indescribable for us, in the upcoming millennium is that shadow. Amen. This means what? This means that everything in your surrounding situation is a picture, not just of Christ as the reality, but of you embracing Christ for enjoyment in the full manifestation of that reality. So, <clears throat> as we've shared in the previous two messages, that <clears throat> enjoyment has a characteristic, has a flavor. You know, milk and honey have a flavor, right? right. Has a flavor. So, this prize also continues in, into eternity and is pictured in one of our favorite verses, Revelation 22, 17, first part, where beckoning those who should and will enter into eternity to have the indescribable enjoyment of Christ incessantly the two are in co-inherent mutual enjoyment and are describable as one person whose title is, whose name is, the Spirit and the Bride. Amen. And at an earlier stage, in the Millennial Kingdom, when this body is this body actually is casting the shadows from there, is casting the shadows from there. <clears throat> what kind of good land feast is it? What kind of Lord's table is it? It's the marriage dinner of the Lamb. Thus, if those are the body, casting the shadow to be your chair, your shoes, your bottle, your eyeglasses, what does that mean about the flavor of your relationship and your interaction with that shadow as it refreshes your contact with the one who is the body of the shadow? Amen. It's to be satisfying, rich, exciting, and yes, romantic. Amen. Yes. So, <clears throat> let's see here. <clears throat> Roman number one, you can picture, involves three stations. Uh, this one, we could say this one is the body. <clears throat> this one is the shadow. And this one... <clears throat> is the shadow accessing 
accessing? Um, trying to, might, might need a better word. Um, the shadow <coughs> um, resulting in So, the, let no one judge you, let no one judge you, <clears throat> talking to the Colossians, let no one judge you, in eating, drinking, or respect to feast, or new moon, or Sabbath. This describes the entire comprehensive daily living of God's Old Testament people. On the land, they ate. They drank. They had Sabbaths, new moons, and feasts. This took them from the smaller intervals to the larger intervals at conveniently measured uh, <clears throat> length, describing their entire existence. So their entire existence is represented by what we have in Colossians 2.16. And what they, what they had there what they had there was a shadow. The good land was everything to them. They didn't have industry. They didn't have education. They didn't have politics. They didn't have goals. They didn't have professional development. I mean, they didn't have other goals. It was the land. It was the land. It was the land. Everything was the land. They ate on the land. They drank on the land. And they ate and drank the produce of the land. The land was everything to them. That was the shadow. <clears throat> Now, shadow implies the body, which is here. And this is, this is um, New Testament people. This is kingdom age. <clears throat> this is the kingdom age. So the Colossians were taught to take Christ as the reality of all the shadows. They were taught, when you drink a bottle of water, that water is to connect you with the reality of Christ himself as your refreshing water of life, as the spirit. They were taught this. Then some came and said, what's that? You're taking Christ as the reality. What are you talking about? And most of all, the Jews, Israel, the, the, the Jews did, didn't like that. So they judged them. Paul said, don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone judge you. So when we begin to practice this, you can expect someone's going to try to judge you and say, what are you doing? That sounds... Simplistic. That sounds childlike. That sounds non spiritual. Just wait. If you get to the step that we're urging you to get into through this weekend, that you actually try to live this way. Someone's going to come and judge you. It says, don't let anyone judge you. Because, because eventually there needs to be a New Testament people who take 
the things in their surroundings as the connecting shadows to the divine reality on the good land of the indwelling Christ in their spirit. And they live in a consciousness of him. <clears throat> not making, as we've said before, not making the bottle of water Christ, but realizing that the existence of this bottle of water has an intrinsic purpose, which isn't just to make money for the water bottling company. <laughs> but it is, this, this bottle has a real significance, which is to remind you, remind you, that Christ is waiting to be experienced by you as your refreshing beverage. Amen. And that he is holding that experience for you and waiting for you to access it. Amen. So there needs to be such a people. Paul was struggling. In Colossians 1.18 it says he was struggling, laboring. What do you think, what was he struggling and laboring for? He was laboring for the Colossians. The hidden implication in Colossians is that he was laboring to bring them into this experience, which is the experience of the extensive Christ revealed in Colossians. Now, when, when he has this, when he has this, so no doubt the enemy shrouded, well, the Old Testament was a, was a time of, was a, was a time of, <clears throat> picture, but the enemy did much to impair the appreciation of God's people for him as they lived on the good land, quite successfully, actually, <clears throat> such that we just saw that Moses, before they went into the good land, told them that they were going to be unfaithful and be expelled, which prophecy was fulfilled, of course. Now, once, once there's a people who fulfill this, a New Testament people who fulfill this type, as I mentioned a moment ago, basically, the way is paved for the body and the shadow to successfully link, and the shadows bring this New Testament people into the reality of their prize, which is the coming enjoyment of Christ Amen. in the millennial kingdom and the age will end. So this is pivotal. This is crucial. This is age determining. This is quality of life determining. This is not a secondary truth. And yes, once again, as we will see in this outline, this too is a relationship truth. Since the body pictures God and man, man and God involved in romantic, affectionate enjoyment. And that enjoyment, that enjoyment is the shadow. And that is what we should have when we interact with the things in our surrounds. Okay. <clears throat> now, A says, uh, with a man's physical body, <clears throat> as with a man's physical body, the body in 217 is the substance and like the shadow of a man's body, the rituals in the law are the shadows of Christ, who is the substance and reality of the gospel. <clears throat> Colossians unveils an all-inclusive Christ as the focus of God's economy. So here, <clears throat> here of course, uh, our brother mentions 
the shadow and the body or the, or the substance. <clears throat> and so we've already elaborated that a little bit here, but just, just to say a little bit more, when a person casts a shadow and you don't see the person, the shadow is very useful because you know the person's around. If you didn't have the shadow, you might not realize the person's around. But the shadow obligates that person's around. When I was in another country a few days ago, there was a brother who said that <clears throat> in his house he heard something outside and he wondered what it was. He thought it was some, you know, some pet or some animal, uh, some, some maybe a dog or, or so. And he went out to see and the way the, the moonlight was that he could see that there was a person standing behind the tree. So he thought, he thought it was not a potentially serious situation, but it was. Yeah, it turned out this man was armed and he, was, he was, did not have good intent. And so, so seeing the shadow let the person know, oh, let the brother know, oh, there's a, there's a person there. And, you know, it, it ended up being a, a bit of a harrowing kind of thing, but it was very helpful for him to have, to have the, uh, the shadow cast. So we don't have <clears throat> the Lord in a, in a frame that we can see him with our eyes and uh, perceive him with our five senses. Although we do have him in our spirit where we can substantiate him at any time, because we live in the material realm, we may not register his presence. So as a divine allotment and a divine provision, we have around us innumerable shadows to show we have the most marvelous person who you'll remember is so inexhaustible that no matter what it is, as long as it's positive, it, it obtains and derives its positivity, its worth from him. And seeing the shadow, you know, if the policeman had been there with the brother to see the shadow, the policeman could have followed the shadow to apprehend the criminal. So, of course, this is a negative example. We follow the shadow to apprehend the indwelling invisible one and to touch him and to enjoy him. Now, this truth makes the shadows very prominent. Now, not that, not that believers through the ages haven't had the same opportunity we have, but through the ministry, and through the speaking of this recent conference, the shadows are made vivid to us. They're made evident to us. They're obvious to us. Now, what does that tell you? What does it mean when the shadows are more and more observable, more and more striking, more evident? Yeah, Christ is the reality. I guess what I'm getting at is it means the day is almost over. 
The day is almost over. This means that the shining on this matter by the speaking of the ministry, highlighting it in this way, is signaling the end of the age, that the day is almost over. All it needs now, this is becoming very, very clear. It hasn't been clear to other generations. It's becoming very, very clear, and it's going to be picked up. It's going to be practiced. Amen. And it's going to tell and effect the end of the age. Now, this, is, this also, as, as I think we, we talked last year, this also <clears throat> is not <clears throat> uh, an involvement, this endeavor, I would say, of accessing the virtue of the things around us to connect us and link us with a present experience of the living one who indwells is not simply procedural. But remember, remember that the shadow of a person does not have a face, but the person who casts the shadow has a face. So when we follow the shadow to the invisible person, we see his face. And we'll be, be infused, we'll be involved, and we'll be uh, encouraged to, uh, to go on. Okay, now, <clears throat> point B says, week daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly, Christ is the reality of every positive thing. So this is the sequence in Colossians 2.16. The things we do daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly are, are listed there, indicating that our practice and our endeavor of taking Christ uh, as the reality of the shadows has two directions, has two directions. One is that <clears throat> as we <clears throat> realize that he's the reality of everything in enlarging intervals, this reminds us that eventually he's inclusive of every experience that we would have. Every experience we have is in one of these time frames. Then in the other direction, going from yearly to monthly to weekly to daily, it, it implies that we are to enjoy the Lord as the reality of the shadows in a more and more specific, fine, definite, planned, and elaborated way. More thoroughly, in other words, more thoroughly. Until, until we have, by virtue of this help and support of taking Christ as the body of the shadows, we have the ongoing consciousness of him that we were talking about earlier that defines a living on him as the good land. In other words, it's through this practice that we are able to live on him as the good land and have consciousness of him that is as regular and predictable as is our heartbeat. That's how consistent, how practical our interaction with him, our experience of him, our drawing upon him should be. It should be as predictable as our heartbeat. Boom, 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 boom. You should be able to set your watch by it. 
So, <clears throat> I wanted to illustrate this by a little story about Brother Lee. Okay. So, when Brother Lee was in his last year of life, <clears throat> uh, I was very privileged to spend most of my time uh, either with him or nearby. And an impressive aspect of his daily living was his schedule. So one of the responsibilities of the nurses that were there caring for him, though he was getting ill, was that they were to uh, make out and complete his schedule under his guidance. And so, Dalton, you'll remember this. Dalton was there too. Uh, that he had his schedule. This is a 91-year-old man who's dying of cancer. He had his schedule broken down into his waking hours into 10-minute blocks. And every 10-minute block was designated and was kept. And we observed this, and we were amazed. We thought, wow, who can be that diligent, that organized, that on top of things, that scheduled? So we had that thought. What do you think? Now I realize that's not it. He wasn't, he wasn't being organized. He wasn't being efficient. He wasn't doing time management. He was endeavoring to take Christ as the reality of every positive thing. So he scheduled the time so with such brevity that his schedule would have would obligate him and remind him that whatever he was doing needed to be connected with Christ. And he needed to contact the Lord and bring the Lord into that experience. Again, this is a 91-year-old gentleman who's weakening day by day, dying of cancer. He had this endeavor, this feeling, this commitment to go after this this way. Now, he didn't tell me, now, what I'm doing is I'm taking Christ is the reality of all the shadows. <laughs> he didn't tell me that. But, but, I realize now, and I have a strong impression, that that's exactly what he was doing. I mean, although he was exceedingly productive through his whole life, there at age 91 in um, limited to home, very weak, he probably didn't need to schedule every 10 minutes for his accomplishments, right. for his productivity. But he did have to do it for his, in his continuing endeavor to have Christ as his reality moment by moment. And to follow Paul to live Christ and to be faithful to you. Because you know what he said. He said, if I speak to you about taking Christ as the reality of the shadows, and I haven't endeavored to do it successfully, I've got no business talking to you about it. It's only to the degree that I do it 
and I have success in doing it, that I can speak to you about it. He spoke to us about it. That implies to me that he, he endeavored and he succeeded. He succeeded. So there are other stories along this line, but <clears throat> uh, anyway, <clears throat> so daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly, this should be uh, our exercise. C, <clears throat> the all-inclusive extensive Christ who is full of attractiveness and rich in magnetism <clears throat> is the essence of the Bible. Now, what is implicit here? What is the hidden revelation here? This message isn't on the Bible. It's not on the word of God. It's on taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. What is this point doing here? It's out of context. There's no continuity. Or is there? Yes, there is. Okay. <clears throat> as it points out here, <clears throat> if we take the New Testament, the first and last verses of the New Testament refer to Jesus Christ, indicating that he is the content of all the New Testament. Uh, <clears throat> Life Study of Deuteronomy, Message 4, page 42 says, do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is the embodiment of Christ. Every word is Christ. Every phrase is Christ. Every clause is Christ. Every sentence is Christ. So, just as he wasn't saying that this bottle is Christ, nor is he saying that that printed page and that printed volume is Christ. But Christ is accessed and should be accessed through every single word of the Bible. Now, why is this mentioned here? <clears throat> it's mentioned here because as we talk about taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing, our doing so is prepared and conditioned when we see the Bible in this way. In our new life as Christians, we awake from our regeneration and we automatically love the Bible. That's maybe the first point in my personal testimony. We love the Bible. And we come to realize, we come to realize that we find, this is where we find the Lord. So John 15, 39 and 40 indicate that the Bible renders its intrinsic supply of the Spirit. It gives life when, when we come to the Bible, we come to Him. So the Bible, in a sense, is a microcosmal realm. A realm. And when you open this Bible, you're looking for Christ. And when you read a verse or pray, pray a verse, you're after Christ to lay hold of him. And so as you do this, through the various verses and chapters and the 
many, many subjects and directions of the, of the Bible. Christ becomes so many things to you because the verse in the Bible brings you to the living, indwelling person. Since this is the principle that begins the life of every Christian, it becomes the springboard with this, with this understanding and this practice that, Lord, I come to you in your word. I come to you in this verse, in this word, in this phrase. Are doing this and are finding him then becomes a springboard for us to enlarge this practice and to see that not only is he the reality of every word of the Bible in which he is embodied as the spirit, but he's also the reality of everything in the material creation. So that's where, that's where this point uh, fits here. <clears throat> and this Christ who's there is magnetic, filled with magnetism. Amen. And we were made to be drawn by him. It's not normal, I mean, it's not, it's normal to be drawn by him. As a matter of fact, it's abnormal, if not impossible, to not be drawn by him. Unless we set ourselves to reject him. <clears throat> he says, according to the context, the prize in Colossians 2.18 is what? is the enjoyment of Christ as the body of the shadows. To be defrauded of our prize. <clears throat> so I'm going to insert here the pronoun is our enjoyment of Christ as the body of the shadows. To be defrauded of our prize is to be defrauded of the subjective experience of Christ. <clears throat> okay, um, Mike, could you come? So, Mike, <clears throat> uh, here, come on up here. So, so, Mike, this is your treasure. This is your prize. Oh, you can just set it down here. <clears throat> okay. So, you remember from last time what it is to be defrauded. To be defrauded is to be robbed without knowing you've been robbed. <laughs> so, our brother says... So Mike's, Mike's looking this way, <clears throat> Mike's looking this way, and he can't see me, and I, and it's gone, and so he looks around, oh, what happened? My treasure's gone. Thirsty. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is one way we get defrauded, and Brother Lee said here, you may remember this, he, he said, if you are not presently engaged in the endeavor of seeking to take Christ as the, as the reality of the shadows in your experience, you have been defrauded. Wow. So I could ask for a show of hands of anyone here who has not been defrauded. <laughs> so this should wake us up. Amen. We're not... So... So... Um, Mike learned, he said, I'm not going to be defrauded. That's right. I'm not willing to be defrauded. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
but but just 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 to just for the for the for the uh, example, <laughs> keep keep it down here. Okay. So so um, another way of Mike being defrauded is Mike, how you doing? So I'm I'm a, I'm a friend of Mike's. Mike, how you doing? Okay. Can you um, get me up to date? What's going on with you? Yeah, you know, things are going well, uh, work and kids. And oh, Mike, look, there's a car accident over there. <laughs> it distracted me. It distracted you. Yeah, yeah. So, th thank you, Mike. That's, you, can have, you can have the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, saints, we're in one or the other category. <clears throat> Our lack of realization regarding this was our being defrauded unknowingly because we didn't realize this. Saints, what a blessing it is to realize this, to realize that this is the way for us to, to turn the age and to enter into the kingdom to have our, our prize there. This is, this is the way. But once we know this, Tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, I'm hoping that you're going to be different after this weekend. And you're going to, you're going to have some transactions with the Lord <clears throat> that you're going to begin to experience him as the body of the shadows. Amen. Then what's going to happen to you is not that you'll be defrauded unknowingly. You'll be defrauded Knowingly. So the enemy, the enemy has defrauded believers through centuries. Even through millennia. From realizing this practice. And all those, many went to their grave with rudimentary, tiny, almost negligible experience of Christ because they didn't have help. Now in the Lord's recovery, we have such help. Amen. Now, you have this help, this specific help. Now, what's going to happen Monday when you go back to work? The enemy will come, and he won't, he won't defraud you unknowingly. He won't defraud you without your knowing what, what's happening. But he will try to distract you. Cause your hands to be full, your hours to be busy, and cause you to be, to either forget about this or say, can't do it. It's not for me. Maybe it's for Brother Paul. Not for me. Then, saints, you've been defrauded knowingly. So we've got to say no. I'm not going to be defrauded unknowingly. I'm not going to be defrauded knowingly. I'm not going to be defrauded. Right? right? So let's encourage one another and pray for one another in this way. Amen. Point E says, <clears throat> our need, point E says, <clears throat> our need is for the subject of Christ to become our enjoyment to complete the divine revelation within us. If we are short of the experience and enjoyment of Christ, we are short concerning God's revelation. 
<clears throat> the divine revelation was completed by the Apostle Paul, according to Colossians 125. <clears throat> Yet, Brother Lee said that others, and finally he, stood on the apostles' shoulders to see more. How and why did they need to see more if it was complete? Well, it was complete in objective truth of divine revelation. But what, <clears throat> what Brother Lee has done is to stand on the shoulders of the apostle to apply the objective truth of the revelation of the Bible to the experience of the, of the believers. What, you're ex what you have this weekend is the masterful, divinely endowed gift of subjective application of the objective divine revelation. Paul, as he was, as he was going to, to be with the Lord, wasn't trying, I don't believe, to complete the divine revelation in truth and in writing. He was going, to, he was going for the completion of the divine revelation in experience, in subjective experience. Now, in chapter one of the book, The Completing Ministry of the Apostle Paul, Brother Lee gives a call to all you young ones and says, I wish it was my lot to stand on your shoulders and see further than what you've seen. I wish, but it's not. Your lot is to stand on my shoulders and to go further. And so his hope and his intention was that we would see more, Amen. develop more, Amen. enter into more than he ever did. Now, I doubt that any of us are going to enter into more regarding the objective divine revelation than Brother Lee did. But in subjective application and experience, we not only can, we have to. We have to. And the way we can do this is set forth for us now. The way we go further than Brother Lee went and the way we go the necessary remaining distance in subjective experience is by taking Christ as the reality of all the shadows. It's tremendous. We have this commission. We have this opportunity. Now, point F, <clears throat> whatever we do day by day should remind us of Christ as the reality of that thing. If we follow the practice of taking Christ as the reality of all the material things in our daily life, our daily walk will be revolutionized, transformed, and we will be full of Christ. And so we will um, talk more about this tomorrow morning. But <clears throat> this basically refers to the fact that everything we do now 
we have to relate to Christ. Everything we encounter, we evaluate in relation to Christ. So, Brother Lee said that <clears throat> if you're a single person, what you do is up to you. But if you're married, what you do has to be evaluated according to the person you're married to. If not, you're not a reasonable counterpart. So we have a bridegroom. Amen. We've been married. Amen. Now everything we do should be done with assessment and evaluation of that, that matter, that thing, in relation to this person. This is and is the practicality of our taking Christ as the reality of all the shadows. Now, the way to do this, I maybe should have mentioned this earlier, <clears throat> cuando vine a Dallas, estuve comenzando a hablar español. When, when I moved to Dallas with my wife years ago, I was just learning to speak Spanish. So I don't know if you speak Spanish, but my testimony, how I learned, was I didn't go to class. I learned around the house. So this is how it worked. I would learn a word, if possible, a word every day. And then I would speak in English, but when I came across in my common daily speaking a word that I knew in Spanish, I inserted it. And so my speaking was in English with some inserted words. But as I learned more words, I had more words to insert. And gradually, hasta la fecha se habla español. Now I can speak Spanish. So if we want to have an ongoing consciousness of Christ, living on him as our good land in the divine romance, all we have to do is, as we're living our life, begin to, as we recall here and there, take him as the reality of that shadow. Amen. Take him as the reality of another shadow. Amen. And don't be disturbed if you don't do it perfectly Amen. and you have gaps. Amen. Just do what you can. And then start to do more. Amen. Fill in the gaps. Amen. And pretty soon, van a hablar español. Pretty soon, pretty soon you'll be living Christ. <clears throat> Gee, we need to enjoy Christ day by day <clears throat> as the reality of all of our necessities. So a wonderful way to, to view the Gospel of John is that this, this book that we recommend to all the new believers, right? Because it's so readable, it's the language is understandable. Yet it's so profound. One of the most profound revelations presented in the Gospel of John is that it shows us that we should take Christ as the reality of all the shadows. So yes, he's our breath. He's our drink. He's our food. He's our clothing. He's our habitation. He's our everything. This is the profound revelation. So Roman numeral two says, you remember this. <clears throat> I wish we had another hour. 
the all-inclusive extensive Christ is the reality of all positive things in the universe. And then, in startling revelation, it gives these two verses. Romans 1.20 and Ephesians 3.18, which makes it absolutely clear in Revelation that the way that we live in two realms at one time is by taking Christ as the reality of every positive thing. Now you say, what two realms are you talking about? Okay, two realms are represented in these reference verses. Romans 1.20 represents the realm of material creation, that the creation speaks forth and expresses the divine characteristics so that no one is without excuse. This is, this is the material realm in which we all live. But it also refers to Ephesians 3.18, which, as you know, refers to the dimensions of our good land, Christ, where it says that we explore with, we apprehend with all the saints the height, the, the breadth, the length, the height, and depth, and know the knowledge surpassing love of Christ. This represents the indwelling Christ, the pneumatic Christ as the good land whose dimensions are limitless. So these two verses are used to indicate that he's the body of the shadows, as the point tells us. So why does it use these two verses? The way that we experience what can be termed blessed simultaneity. Blessed simultaneity is by taking Christ as the reality of all the shadows. We're in the material universe <clears throat> where everything is related to him. He's what? He's the firstborn of all creation. That means he's the first, he's the last. He's everything in between. Everything in creation is Christ. Again, not physically, but connected to him. Connected to him. Well, intrinsically, everything in material creation is Christ. So this is the material realm. So when we take Christ as the reality of the shadows and touch something in our material universe and at that and take Christ as the shadow and follow that take that as the shadow and follow that shadow to our mingled spirit and contact him, we find ourselves in Ephesians 3:18. And we're in both realms at the same time. Amen. Now, I wish I had time to talk about Hebrews 4.12 here. But <clears throat> maybe, maybe I can bring that in tomorrow, possibly. <clears throat> anyway, saints, what a living we have. Amen. Then, everything in the material universe reminds us of the fact that we are living on Christ as our good land, whose dimensions are those of Ephesians 3.18, and which is describable by Galatians 3.14. Wonderful. Amen. Magnificent. Amen.
A, because <clears throat> A, because the universe with the billions of things and persons in it was created for the purpose of describing Christ. Oh, saints, this would be good to lift out and put on your mantle, put on your refrigerator, put on your wall, put on your mirror. The universe with billions of items and persons in it was created for the purpose of describing Christ. He, in revealing himself to his disciples, could easily find in any environment something or someone to serve as an illustration of himself. <clears throat> now you remember that we talked <clears throat> in this morning about how <clears throat> Colossians is a book on the will of God. And that it begins and ends with God's will. We can combine that fact with Revelation 4.11, which says, because of your will, O God, they were created. They were and were created. So everything was, everything was created and brought into existence because of, because of God's will. Now we can see since, since God's will in Colossians is, is that we live on the good land of the consummated spirit, that the creation of the material universe was in view that one day we would take Christ as the reality of all those things and have the experience of living in him as the pneumatic one, on him as our good land. And furthermore, Remember from last year <clears throat> that each one of these is a whisper of inquiry? Do you remember that? Yeah. Every one of these is a little yeah. love note. Because Psalm 19.5 says that the creator, the recreator, created the universe as the bridegroom. In his, in his incarnation, he came forth as the bridegroom to point to himself in the material creation and, and through the material creation make clear that he is the bridegroom. So every, every, everything there was not just a reminder of him, but it was a reminder of him in his romantic intent. I find this breathtaking. Point B, that the Old Testament uses six major categories of things as types to describe Christ, human beings, animals, plants, minerals, offerings, and foods. Now, <clears throat> has anyone ever told you that you were a VIP, that things were arranged for you to be a most important person, that you have the most important role, you have the most important things to carry out? I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. But if not, I'd like to tell you that right now. <clears throat> that these six categories of Old Testament items, all of which have Christ as their reality, indicate that in the Old Testament, 
there was a people who handled Christ thoroughly, around whom everything was Christ in shadow. And that this people who lived with this collection of items around them, which also which signified Christ, and which were shadows, these people were a shadow. And they're a shadow of you. They're a shadow of you as the one who one day would take Christ as the body of the shadows and would be as related to Christ as they were to all the items collectively included in these six categories. So you're a VIP. You are to fulfill the most crucial role of the ages to be the ones who, who, who fulfill the typology of God's Old Testament people. So C and D point out that <clears throat> by bringing you through the agency, through, by bringing you through the shadows into himself to enjoy him as the body of the shadows, to live on him as the, re, as the reality, he, in bringing you this way, is functioning as the spirit of reality, bringing you into himself as the one who is all reality. So we're here under the moving and speaking of the spirit of reality. Now, just try to uh, <clears throat> summarize the remaining points or, or cover them quickly. <clears throat> so these points are striking and point out that if you would like to experience the deep and profound revelations in the book of Colossians, the practical handle and avenue to do that is by taking him as the shadows. And so I say again, is there anyone here who could tell the Lord, <clears throat> this is too esoteric. I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't do this. No, we can't. We can say, Lord Jesus, I love you because you are the reality of this chair. Amen. And then as you're sitting on the chair, not just admire that he's the reality of the chair, when you're sitting in the chair, enjoy him as the reality of that chair. These pieced together become a seamless reality in our living in the reality of Christ. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> point three says, Roman number three says, the very Christ who is the reality of all positive things <clears throat> is the one who is the head of the body. Amen. Thus, to hold the head is simply to enjoy Christ as the reality of all the positive things. So in, <clears throat> in Colossians 3.19, it says, holding the head. It uses the phrase, holding the head. And who is the head? So the head refers, ref, the head refers to, has to refer, of course, we know it's Christ. In verse 17, yes, it is Christ. Is Christ. But the question is, why the change from Christ to the head? It's because 
when we take Christ as the reality of all the positive shadows in verse, verse 17, we become conscious of him as the head and as the body in verse 19. Why? Because he, Christ, the one who's indwelling and is in our spirit, we contact him, we contact him, and we have, you know, it's actually when we contact him through taking him as the reality, in this case the reality of all the shadows, that he becomes the head. That he becomes the head. Much like with the preeminence we were talking about before, he's the head in the universe, but he's not the head to you. But when you contact him, giving him that preeminence, he becomes the head to you. And now you are the body to him. And you're holding the head, and then you are built up in the body. And so it's by, it's by holding him as the by experiencing him as the reality of all the shadows, that we, <clears throat> that we have the experiences of the body, are built up as the body, have body consciousness. Having body consciousness is not a result of being lectured, that you should check with everyone before you do anything. It's to have, it's to contact him and have, the head, have, have his feeling, which will direct you and lead you to realize, yes, you need to contact the other ones you're related to. Not as a protocol, but as a deep, intrinsic conviction. So A says, since the Christ we enjoy as our everything is the head of the body, the more we enjoy him, the more we become body conscious. B says, I'll leave the subpoints there to you. B, B says, because Christ's headship is in resurrection, The enjoyment of Christ spontaneously, the enjoyment of Christ taking him as the reality of all the shadows spontaneously brings us into resurrection and saves us from our natural being. So verse 18 says, says that he is the head, he is the head, the firstborn from among the dead. So the, first for, the firstborn from among the dead is Christ in resurrection. So when we take him as the reality of all the positive things and he becomes the head to us, then as, as a result of this, we're also in resurrection. And as we're in resurrection, we're freed from all the problems that, all the problems that come from our natural life and natural living. So it's when we take Christ as the reality of all the shadows, <clears throat> experiencing him, as the extensive Christ, that we get simple. We get simplified. Amen. The issues are resolved. No more problem. No more debate. Everything's worked out. Amen. Because we're in final station. We're in home bay. We're, we've got it. And since all we have to do is not lose it once we've got it, we can let others fight about things. 
We don't have to get involved. We don't have to debate. We don't have to argue. We don't have to express opinions. We can just say, hallelujah. I, I'm enjoying him as the one who's the reality of all the positive things. <clears throat> Point C says, the enjoyment of Christ brings us into the heavens in ascension. We can be experiential in the heavens only by enjoying Christ ahead as the life-giving spirit in our spirit. So, um, not only... Not only does taking Christ as the reality of all the positive things cause us to be the body, have body consciousness, bring us into resurrection, deliver us from the natural life, it also raises us and enthrones us with Christ in ascension. And D, as we enjoy Christ and hold him as the head, we absorb the riches of the all-inclusive, extensive Christ. These riches become in us the increase of God by which the body grows up for us as it's building. So, to hold the head in verse 19, through taking him as the reality of the shadows in verse 17, is the way we're rooted in him as the good land, as our good land, and absorb Christ. So, all of this, all of this, is the result of our simply taking him as the reality of all the positive things. Amen. So, again, is there anyone? Please raise your hand if you cannot do this. <laughs> Hallelujah. So your failure, your failure to respond constitutes an agreement that you will, that you will endeavor to carry this out. Yeah. Amen. Saints, how about if we pray for a little bit, two by twos. Then we'll have uh, prophesying with 